Welcome to White Pill Radio, the every other episode version of Theology on Air, a ministry of theology by the pint. We here look at current events. We try to put yep. a Christian worldview spin on things. I like to say that this is post-apologetic, ultimately hopeful applied theology that does look at news and current events from a Christian worldview. I also like to say that this is blessed talk, not happy talk. Right. No happy talk. No happy. This is all real. This is all very contemporary, if you will. So uh, we like that fun on these versions. So thanks for joining us. Uh, I have had some people say these are our favorite, their favorite episodes Aww. because they're hot and spicy. Um, <laughs> Just like, like I like my pizza. Exactly. Okay. But uh, thanks for joining us, Theology by the Pint. Of course, you can go uh, to theologybythepint.com or .org to learn more about Theology by the Pint. If this is the first time you found the podcast, subscribe. Uh, find us on YouTube as well. Subscribe there. We we want to increase our numbers so that the word gets around more and more. We think we have something kind of unique and special to offer, especially yeah. when these guys join us because mm-hmm. uh, they're so smart and well-spoken and everything. But, but anyway. They disagree um, with each other, so that's where the spice comes in. We have some really great uh, events live and in person every month in Houston. Check it out, theologybythepint.org. And the Grand Poobah of Theology by the Pint is here. Sarah Stone. I made an appearance today, you guys. Yes. I'll be signing out autographs after. So. Absolutely. So thanks for being here. And people can find you there or in Everywhere. Okay. All social media, Sarah Stone, Sarah Garment Stone. I'm on the Theology by the Pint website, as is Evan. Yep. And Austin Freeman, representing himself, (laughs) maybe the institution at which he teaches, which is Houston Christian University, but we won't hold them to account in case he says anything too controversial. I don't plan on it. All right. But glad to have you. And you teach uh, apologetics or you... So post-apologetics, I thought it was post-apocalyptic, so Ah. maybe I'm in the wrong... (laughs) No. No? Okay. Yeah. No, it's okay if you're an apologetics professor, even though we're post We're kind of over it now, but yeah. We're over it. (laughs) Not really. Maybe I can persuade you otherwise. Uh, Hey, I see what you did there. And I'm Ken. I'm an accountant. (laughs) Yeah. He was kidding to you. Oh, he's more than an accountant. I do numbers. That's that's what I do. And he does numbers for Theology by the Pint, so we love him. And he He has has lots of opinions. He's not afraid to share them, and he's theologically informed. And he's our local anarchist. Yes. Anarchist and a Baptist accountant. Let's go. A-A-A. And I'm Evan. I'm the pastor at First Lutheran. But, you know, I I should probably say these views represent my own, because I realized that the other (laughs) night... You know, one of my members was was uh-huh. there, and and um, I said, "Well, did you, you know, did you have fun?" She's like, "Well, I had to slink down in my chair a few times, you know, <laughs> like every time I spoke." So no, oh. yeah, anyway, you can go and hear so. those. Uh, we put them all out on the podcast and on YouTube. Yeah, so yeah. you can go check it out and see if it makes you slink down in your chair. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump in. Um, yeah. Everyone ready for Civil War? Apparently, uh, oh, there's boy. movies about it coming out. We're being pre-programmed uh, for that. Uh, what kind of American are you, Ken? Uh, if you've seen the memes, the Jesse Plemons memes from the I'm trailer of that movie, never mind. Anyway, yeah. there, is, there is an issue uh, going on in the Texas border. Uh, Texas is basically saying that uh, you know it has the right to stop people from coming into its border, and the United States government, with a 5-4 Supreme Court ruling, uh, you know, is basically saying, well, actually, you, you don't have the right to judge your own border. Let me just look at a couple of paragraphs from this article, and there's other articles we can look at, but just to get the ball rolling here. Uh, Supreme Court allows federal agents to cut razor wire Texas installed on U.S.-Mexico border. This is from APNews.com. A divided Supreme Court on Monday allowed Border Patrol agents to resume cutting, for now, razor wire that Texas installed along a stretch of the U.S.-Mexico border that is at the center of an escalating standoff between the Biden administration 
and the state over immigration enforcement. The 5-4 vote clears the way for Border Patrol agents to cut or clear out uh, concertina wire that Texas has put along the banks of the Rio Grande to deter migrants from entering the U.S. illegally. Some migrants have been injured by the sharp wire, and the uh, the Justice Department has argued the barrier impedes the U.S.'s uh, U.S. government's ability to, to patrol the border, including coming to the aid of migrants in need of help. So, um, this kind of gets into broader questions, I think, of whether or not uh, Christians, because we, we want to look at things from a Christian worldview, not just kind of a, a base political worldview, but whether, you know, what Christians should think about immigration. But I'll open up the floor. What, what, where should we kind of begin this large conversation? Did you say base political view or based political view? Because uh, <laughs> I think what I meant to say was a, a kind of neutral political base. view. Okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. base. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Ba- based would imply a worldview. Oh, I'm about I mean, to drop yeah. it, so let's go. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm guessing our resident anarchist is like, well, borders are just a, you know, a line on a map or something. A spook. Yeah. Um, okay. A spook? What is that, like a CIA agent? Ooh, okay, I got to introduce you to Max Sterner. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, no, save that for later. So, okay. borders, are they for, in America, are they for economic security or, like, security security? What do, what do we think? Uh, yes. Yes, yes and both. yes? Sure. Okay. Definitely the second. Yeah. More security security. So, this is more about, like, cartels. That's what comes to my mind and, first. I'm a mom, so like, maybe that's why. Because, like... Cartels and fentanyl is, you know, is a little bit of both. It's a little bit of economic because, you know, the black market is still a market that responds to incentives. And then, you know, the cartels actually operating in America, they operate in a, you know, kind of a outside of the law. Yeah. Criminal. Yeah. One might say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even like black markets for security still respond to incentives the way that regular markets for security do. So... Are you making the case that we should have open borders because it actually helps our economy? <laughs> uh, okay. So do we think open borders would be good, bad for the economy, neutral? What do we think? I don't know That's that I have enough huge to... huge question that there's yeah. no single answer to. Sure. But what, that that just wouldn't even be my first question. My first question would be about safety. Well, and the question is how many of the migrants are coming over are coming over for economic reasons and how many are coming over well, for... Well, I, I would say this. Na- nations can trade whether you have a closed border or not. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, but but, but in true. fact, to have a nation, you have to have a closed border. Are Otherwise, you, you don't have like a nation. A free market, Milton Friedman kind of guy? Uh, not, no, not necessarily. Fr- Milton Friedman would advocate more of a of libertarian point of view that would that would say that – I mean this is actually a, the major shift I would mm-hmm. say in conservative politics the last you know, 40, 50 years that you had a kind of libertarian economic view that really took hold of the Republican Party, you know, basically right. advocating for free trade. And what the populist nationalist movement now it opposes free trade, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you look at the article that's related to this where Trump is talking about bringing back tariffs – and generally speaking, tariffs were an allergy to the Republican Party and the conservative Forever, movement. Yeah. Yes, yes, because the idea was if if China can make a widget cheaper, we still benefit from the intellectual property, etc. That has proven to be – it might be true in an economic sense, but it is ultimately catastrophic as we see to the part of the country we would call the Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, you don't want a whole part of your country called Rust because uh, <laughs> it means things are dying. And that's how you know Trump won in 2016, basically. He went into that Rust Belt and he said, I'll bring the jobs back to America. Mm-hmm. The outsourcing of jobs is a really stupid idea. And and so it, anyway, yeah. so I'm not, a, I'm not a free trader absolutist, although I once was when I was young and dumb. Okay. <laughs> Young and dumb. Okay. Yeah. So where's, I'm, I'm mocking where's the middle ground between the Luddites and like we have to, you know, create make work jobs for the Rust Belt? 
Well, I think the Rust Belt people, the denizens of the Rust Belt, you know, still have, uh, you know, skills. And, and so we just simply need to make things. That's all. It's, I, I think the middle ground is that we say, um, I mean, tariffs are the middle ground. Basically, it's an economic incentive that says it's cheaper for you to make something here than to do it over there. Is and this then exactly pay what we did in 1828, like pre-Civil War, Civil War kind of stuff? With tariffs, and so that the northern companies. Am I just making this up? No, tariffs, like one tar- of the tariffs are a huge part. Yeah. T- tariffs are. I mean, they're the textile they're, industry. They're, yeah. I mean, we call it trade war for a reason. I mean, they're not. I mean, they can be quite serious, but sometimes it's your only weapon. And at this point, it's sort of the only weapon that we have. And I, my mind has changed. I mean, I distinctly remember being in the primary when Trump was in the primary in 2016. The Never Trump contingent, in mm-hmm. part, was because he was proposing tariffs. Yeah. And the Milton Friedman, you know, you know, economist in the world were like that. That's crazy. We can never have tariffs. And I have to say, my mind has totally been changed on that. I think protectionism uh, gets kind of a bad name, either at a border or at an economic level. So perfect segue for AI. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, how many of the – how many million migrants have – It's between six and 10, depending on who you ask. On top of the 20 to 30 to 40 that were already here. Yes. And so – Not to treat them as non-persons. Most of which are not coming here – because they have a genius visa, right? Like mm-hmm. they're coming here because they are desperate. They want some sort of support. Uh, they want safety. They're not coming here because they want to contribute some giant piece of the American economy, right? They they are going to take whatever job that they can in order to support their family or to send back to whatever mm-hmm. country of origin they come from. Um, these are mostly going to be because they're they're relatively unskilled in the American economy. There's, these are going to be lower income jobs. These are going to be labor jobs. How much does an abstract conversation of tariffs and protectionism actually relate to the six to 10 million people yeah, not much. coming over the border? Well, I'm going to make the argument that free markets apply to both goods, which is what we talk about in tariffs, and mm-hmm. services, which is what we talk about when we talk about borders, right? If you're a free market, you're a free market for goods and services, which is why you know the, libertari- the libertarian split from the Republican Party – on like tariffs has always been kind of frustrating, but like libertarians have always been split on borders. Yeah. Here, yeah. Here's what Milton Friedman said that he, he would say you can have an open border or you can have a welfare state, but you cannot have both. Now, that's there we go. True. Yeah. That's the problem is that, you know, you, you cannot have a country that is literally adding a trillion dollars to its deficit mm-hmm. every hundred days. That is so insanely crazy. Like it can't even it, it is it is so it. insanely crazy. And 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 it, it is not only it's not the elephant in the room. It's like the elephant mm-hmm. sitting on top of the earth. I mean it is <laughs> it is um it is going to wreck everything. It's gonna create it that will lead to war probably faster than anything else. But that said, um, <clears throat> you know, you can't have an open border where people want to come in to get all the benefits of a society, you know, but they don't you know, want to contribute to that society. So they're taking tax money, but, if it, you know, they're not they're not going to, you know, pay those taxes later. They're going to send a lot of that money home. I mean, Trump is ridiculed for saying they're going to pay for the wall. But the plan for them, so to speak, to pay for the wall was to tax the money that they send home or something to that effect. Well, the genius visas that you guys are talking about, like, they also send money home. Like, why is it like bad in one situation, not in the other? Because right? the, Either number you be- of, the number of undocumented immigrants that are coming across the border and either not taking jobs and are, are stranded on the streets of New York City or Chicago or whatever is greater than the population of several United States combined, right? Mm-hmm. States. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, states. United States states, yeah. So you're saying yeah. several more states than, of right. the United States Oh, right, gotcha, gotcha. I was going to say you're saying more than 50% yeah. of the population is undocumented. Well, I mean, I think a question, I mean, we kind of talked about this at the last, you know, Theology by the Pint event. Um, so go back and listen to that if you want. But, you know, does a, does a, 
this is my issue with kind of a non-borders approach, mm-hmm. which is, you know, actually it's more efficient to distribute goods and to if you have borders, you know, if you mm-hmm. have, you know, um, so a distinct zone, as it were. Yeah, states have borders. Yeah. And Do open. we? I mean, Texas is literally trying to. No, no, no. I'm saying they're open with relation to each other. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Like federalism, you know, yeah. if we're talking about Texas versus California, we but, don't close our borders. But to is it, but is migrants? Here, here, from, here's my, here's my question like morally is it wrong to prefer? Is it, is it wrong to show a preference for a, a citizen of one country over another? And I don't think it is. You know, I mean, there are some Christians, like libertarian Christians, mm-hmm. who argue that, hey, we're all people, we're all the same in God's eyes, so you can't have nations, you can't have borders. And I would say, and what I said at the Theology by the Pine event was, eventually, if you take the money from one group of people and give it to another group of people, everyone's going to be dirt poor, mm-hmm. you know? And then, Sc- Scotty, um, you know, uh, sorry our, he's not here, yeah. yeah, but he said, and, and you'll be blessed by that. I'm like, well, okay. I disagree with you on wealth with him on welfare. Right? Yeah, yeah. I agree with you on welfare. Yeah. Well, yeah. and there's also a couple conversations happening. There's like the moral or like salvific conversation. Uh-huh. Like yeah. what does God think about people? Everyone's made in God's image. And so, yes, no one person is better than another in that right. way. No one's, you know, closer to salvation or something, right? No Greek, no Jew, that whole thing. Yeah. But that's not the question that we're asking here. We're not asking about like who gets saved and how we're asking things like, can you show preference to people in your own nation, your own community, that kind of thing. And uh, Should a church be able to discriminate in its congregation by documented status? Yikes. That feels like that's a whole other question. That's kind of what we're well, asking. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know of any church that would. However, mm-hmm. whether or not a church should provide sanctuary uh, you know, question, to, to yeah. ICE agents, I think is um, – hmm. th- that, that I would probably say no. Mm-hmm. I think I – think you know, on the one hand, I'm like, well, that would defy federal authority. On the on the other hand, I'm like, <laughs> I like that. Way, way to go, Texas! You're <laughs> yeah. defying the Supreme Court. You know, actually, Texas is not defying the Supreme Court. No, nope. they're simply saying, okay, you guys, you, right. you guys said the law. You know, or you interpreted the law. Now you have to come do it. You have to put bodies on the ground who are armed. And you have to come get past our state, you know, guard to to get past it. So we are, and they can keep putting up right wire, right? Because the law wasn't that you can't put it up; it's just that we can come take it down, right? Oh, it's just like a bunch of toddlers. Well, can we ask this sort of litmus test question? I think all of us could agree that, as you mentioned, there is neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. I think we can also all agree the New Testament is clear that the state does not hold the sword in vain. Mm-hmm. And that all of us as Christians ought to respect the authority of the state, even when it seems to be oppressive and tyrannical, at, because, of course, that's the condition under which Paul is writing these documents, hmm. uh, and, and resist only insofar as it directly violates our faith commitments um, and our, our freedom to worship God or to do the things that God commands us to yes, do. Yes, to all so, that. So that's our baseline, right, is governments are legitimate. Government intervention and and use of force is legitimate. Christians, the the church is not a government, right? It's not a state. Um, they we should respect them, but there are limits to our respect. Can we hit all of those points? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> before the podcast, we were, before like, the podcast, we were talking about Marcionism, though, right? Whoa, that was deep. Okay, where are we going here? There's a lot of Old Testament stuff about welcoming refugees, about welcome, which is why I asked the question about well, the church. Yeah, so and, the and church and, is not the state. The, the church welcomes the refugees. In spite of the state, because you were just saying, what if it contradicts your religious um, – the, 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 the spirit and scripture speaking to you? Yeah, no, this is actually where I was going with this. Okay, is, cool. is what are the instances? This, this is the root question. Yeah. The instance in which – 
you have to choose between being a good United States citizen and being a good Christian. That's that's the limit. That's the test case that we're examining here. Mm -hmm. Is the fact of the matter that in order to make a logical decision that is um, efficient and rational in terms of statecraft and the protection of borders, is that mutually exclusive to the non-state religious command that Christians as, as individual persons, not as citizens, have to make? Is it mutually exclusive? I would ask, when is it mutually exclusive? Because certainly it is, often. But the question is, is this one of those cases? And yeah, I, yeah. I don't even quite understand what you're asking of us. Like, none of us can – I mean, we vote and we, you know, call our congressmen, that kind of thing. But we're not going down there and e putting up or taking down razor wire. So is it – are you asking, should we be happy about this? Like, what's the actual well, – in, in what sense is this a theological question? Because it – I mean, to – I guess to the three of us, it probably makes a lot of sense that Texas has a, a right to defend the integrity of its borders. Yeah. Um, and the United States also has a right to create its own laws if, as long as they're following due legislative process. Um, but I think you're right that there is a tension here between your actions as a private Christian individual and your actions as a citizen representative of the Republic of the United States. There, there is a conflict here. I think there is. Yeah. And even from a secular view, right? Like if I'm an employer or if I, you know. Don't get too far away from that mic now. If I'm an employer or if I like share a housing unit with somebody and we split rent, like what business of the government, like what business is it of theirs who I hire, who I choose to like rent with, who I choose to, you know, in some cases marry, right? The government has no part in here. If I want to welcome them into my house or into my business or into my like. Well, and I think for a long time, we did look the other way on like a lot of immigration, like seasonal. I mean, I, I, I know someone who has a ranch and, you know, it was common practice for like people to do seasonal work six months out of the year, then go back over the border to Mexico and, and things I'm like that. I'm talking even longer time. I'm talking about yeah. 17, like so do, do we, do we, do, do we trust yeah. uh, American uh, factories to treat these people well? Um, because the reports I've heard are basically it's slave labor. You know, they mm -hmm. have people coming over. But let's just talk about the human trafficking angle for a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one, you, you have these, uh, you know, perverse incentives. And what, what is that, what is that uh, um, where you have unintended consequences of, of a policy like this? So we have a romantic idea, perhaps, of like an open border and helping people and that sort of thing. But bad people look at it and go, huh, mm -hmm. I can traffic human beings. Wait a minute. And if so, the border's open, why would they need to be trafficked? Because no one is keeping you from doing so and no, because no, no. they have incentives to get free labor. Well, no, no, the coyotes are yeah. trying to sneak past a border that is... Yeah, but we're not just talking about trafficking people sure, sure, into... Sure. We're talking about bringing people over to be trafficked. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean... Okay, well, but, but, but I mean... I, I, mean, I, I thought you were talking there, about coyotes. There is still some minimal resistance so that people do have to be brought over by the cartels, you know, in some kind of orderly fashion. And uh, they're making a lot more money on human trafficking. And, you know, I, I'm assuming we've all heard the stories of the probably hundreds of thousands of missing children now mm -hmm. and the children and women who are raped on the border. And, you know, it's just so inhumane and so disgusting and so gross. And there's really no way of policing it as long, you know, as long as we're creating this incentive. So we have, it's like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. You I think know? we're on opposite sides of this. I think that's an unintended consequence of an closed border. And I think you think it's an unintended consequence of an open border. Yeah. Human trafficking. So you think if it's a totally wide open border, there'd be no human trafficking? No, I didn't say no. It's, okay. it's the Tolstoy quote, the problems in absence of government 
are preferable to the problems caused by the government, right? Okay. I think, yes, no, there like will always... police? No, there will always be human trafficking. However, like, if they don't have to be snuck across the border, there will be less human trafficking. In in that sense. Yeah. But, I mean, if the borders are wide open and we continue to have it's, it's these, a, these welfare incentives... Um, I would agree with that. Okay. Then you're going to get all kinds of... I'm not saying everyone coming over is bad, like morally bad, but... Well, well, I'm Presbyterian, right. so. Uh, but I mean, you are going to get plenty of drugs, criminal activity, trafficking coming through. I mean, I, I don't see how, like, just math-wise, if you open it up, that's going to come through. I also want to just add when we talk about how we're supposed to respect the government and do what the government says. What What about when the government or the governing people aren't doing what the government's supposed to do? If the government's supposed to protect us, and the person at the top who shall remain unnamed, but rhymes with Zidon, uh, isn't doing what the government's supposed to do and is opening up the borders wide open, then as Christians, sort of, how do we respond to that? The question is definitions in the Supreme Court. Is this an invasion, right? Protect us from what? If the governments are supposed to protect us Fentanyl, from invasion... trafficking, crime. Well, that's different than the, I think, Article 3 of the Constitution, which it's... Is it Article 1, Section 3 or Article 3, Section 1? Not sure. Uh, I but always get those th- That talks about... Um, you know, states have a right to organize a militia to defend against an invasion mm-hmm. um, before the federal government actually has a right to mobilize or has the ability to mobilize. Right. Right. That's what this is a debate over. Yeah. That's why it's going to the Supreme Court is to say, right. like, does Texas have a right? And it's all going to hinge around the definition of invasion. Sure. So you're talking about what is the state's job? Is it to protect us from invasion? Well, the question is what I brought in the very beginning. Are these economic migrants or are these an invading we don't know. military what, both yes what, what, what they're I mean, what, what they're saying is and, that they need amnesty and and and, and so we have we have I, I, we yeah, have, a, we have the amnesty we, we have crazy. abused the word amnesty now so that yeah. they just come over they throw their idea away at the border there's whole stacks and stacks mm-hmm. of them and you know i mean one of the one of the main things that people say about trump and how horrible he was because he separated families okay and he would do dna test he would separate families mm-hmm. because traffickers will yep. lie okay say, they'll say oh daughter. that's my nephew or yeah. that's my daughter that's my son oh, you separate them for five minutes and right you do like, a quick you know, dna test and you find out yes that is for the good of the child you know but people go around still to this day you you know, saying how dare you separate families like he's like he's tearing you know mothers and children by. But let me let me just ask some a foundational question. Sure. Why, why are they coming to America in the first place? What is it that America has to offer? That that was my question to you guys. Okay, what's the answer? Yeah, I think mo- it's pretty obviously economic. Okay, all right. So yeah. why why is it that we have some kind of economic engine that other nations don't? What's unique about America? We have a free market. I'm what st- else? I, stable form of government. Stable form of government. Rule of law. Enforceable contracts honorable society, generally speaking, right? I would say mm-hmm. most of those things come from free association, right? Free markets come from free association. I can yeah, I mean, talk it, to somebody yeah. and they can talk to me. I can hire them. They can hire For now. I can, for now. Sure, sure. Okay. So, we're, we're the world reserve currency. I mean, all of those things that we're losing, that's kind of my point, which yeah. is like, if you have an open border and people want to flock in because you have all this to offer, if you give up all the things that make your country what it is, then you won't be a great country pretty soon anyway. Mm-hmm. And you, you, there's just not enough wealth to go around. I mean, most people on earth would want to come to America, mm-hmm. okay? Because America is wealthier than pretty much every nation on earth. Or they want to go to Northern Europe or, you know, yeah, wh- say, wherever. Talk to Europeans. They're yeah. pretty chill. Like, it, they're not what? trying to flock to America. No, well, no way. Like, like nationalism populist is, is on the rise all over Europe too. Which is I mean, the I biggest they don't single, want to come to America. The biggest single party in Germany right now is, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. It's uh, Deutsche. 
Deutschland first yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I mean, and, and they're trying to make that party illegal. But those are two conflict, like those two views are in conflict, right? How? If nationalism is rising and people want to stay and grow their country, they're not wanting to come to America. Say that one more time. If, if all over Europe, right? Yeah. No, they don't want to come to America. Right. I'm saying immigrants from Syria, for example, okay, are going so you're into about the global south. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You said but, everyone wants to come to America. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm saying, people. I'm saying right, most right. people on Earth, you know, I don't know, fifty percent sure, of sure. you know people on Earth live in worse conditions. Than if they had the choice to come to America, they would. Mm-hmm. But then, if they did, then America wouldn't be America. And so, right. my point is that. The number one job of a government seems to create a harmonious, peaceful, safe place for its citizens. If it doesn't do that, there's no point for it existing, you know? Agreed. So it's like, yes, it's it's a betrayal of its number one job. And uh, whether or not they're coming in with arms doesn't change the fact that it could be an invasion. For all we know, these are, I mean, there was a, there was a guy the other day who, who was asked by a reporter, like innocently mm-hmm. going up to him saying, who are you? And he'll he say, said, one day you'll know who I am. Do you know am. who yeah. I am? Basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and it like, was creepy. And yeah. so someone did some facial recognition or something like, oh, turns out this guy is an actual terrorist, like who's off, mm-hmm. who's now gone, who yep. we don't have. And he's, his trial date is like 2029. Oh, it is such, I mean, that's generally speaking, they're letting everyone in on these amnesty charges and the court dates to come back and report voluntarily after we give them a phone, after we give them cash, after we kick people out of schools so that they can go sleep mm-hmm. on, on cots in their gymnasium. After we do all that, oh, show up to court in 2029. It, it, it's crazy. So, so, so what, the, what is going to happen? It, it's so cynical. It is, mm-hmm. This is why our politics is so divided, because it is so cynical and dark what is happening, where they are going to let in all of these people. It is a plan. It is it is working to perfection. They say, oh, we need more money to secure the border. No, they want more money to facilitate yeah. more people coming in faster. It is such a lie. It is so cynical. And then if and when Trump gets elected and he does try to do the work of deporting people Ooh. who are not citizens, who do not belong here, and it's going to be messy, they're going to say, look at that horrible Nazi. Mm-hmm. He's a fascist. He's setting up concentration camps. And, you know, so so what's the alternative? We just are lawless. We have no border. It's so cynical to play. And I, I'm not going to be played. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to just stand around and be like, oh, well, you know, um, what are you going to do? Are you going to start a commune? I like I, I'm, I'm going to speak that yeah. at this I, point, we, so, we are still in the speaking phase, uh, but, but it's but it's coming down to an armed conflict because because of the cynicism and because of the way that they will do evil things, but portray themselves in, in light. Oh, we're just trying to help people. Oh, we just love people. Oh, we, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. Hey, guys, Sarah here. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is an amazing podcast episode, but I just wanted to tell you that Theology by the Pint is growing. We are now a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we're expanding. This coming year, with your help, we'll grow our reach by adding events in multiple Houston suburbs, as well as launch a youth version. Don't worry, those will be pints of iced coffee, not beer. Uh, We're adding follow-up conversations to reach the spiritually curious and the unchurched. We're also growing our connections and partnerships with more local churches. And you can help us grow by praying for us, by telling your friends or church about us, and of course, by partnering with us financially. To donate, go to theologybythepint.org forward slash give. You know, if each of our podcast listeners gave $100, we would reach our annual budget right then. Consider donating today. Okay, enjoy the rest of the show. There's a there's an increasing disconnect between rhetoric and reality mm-hmm. in, in in a certain form of politics. Yeah, um, I I think that's remarkable, and that's the the Kamala Harris speech about abortion that that just got released um, was Miltonian in its 
verbiage. As the, was the, it Orwellian? Um, <laughs> no, I when you say when you say Miltonian, you mean Milton as in what? as in what? as in the way that Satan talks in Paradise, Paradise Lost. Lost. Okay. Gotcha. So Satan, Milton. Let's just go to that article next. Okay. I know it wasn't the order we we're going to sure. do, well, but have we have, 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 have we have we settled the Concertito wire situation? We have not settled well, anything. Do you think that? But Texas, we're half an hour in, friend. Do you think that Texas uh, is going to start the civil, the second civil war? Well, interesting. What has been interesting in the last day and quite comforting is that many, many governors of states, including you know the pretty moderate governor of Virginia, you know Louisiana, um, Florida. You know, if you there is kind of a block of country uh, of states uh, with um, sort of a, a Kansas being a an opening and like Mississippi being an opening, but there's kind of a block of states uh, that where governors have said we have your back, Texas. Yeah. I mean, going all the way up to Iowa. So, um, I mean, I, I think pretty soon New York is going to have Texas's back. On this. <laughs> Because they have the influence Eric that Adams, they can't handle. Eric Adams is like, losing his mind. Like with this what? Issue. I mean, regardless of yeah. regardless of what position you take on this, what an absolutely genius political move yes. by Greg Adams. The whole busing Abbott. thing. I mean, Abbott. Abbott, yes, yeah. Nick Adams, Greg Eric and Adams. DeSantis. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to talk about the you know years long uh, trial dates that are never going to happen. You're trying to sell me on the Not trial just. Yeah, less, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the hearings amnesty on whether amnesty—it's yeah. But it's like if okay, that standard, so if that's here, here's what I'll say: if that standard of amnesty applies, everyone on Earth could come to America. Agreed. Basically, if you're impoverished, but like the bureaucracy of government and how incompetent government is is like not an argument that we need more of the government, right? I'm not saying we need more of the government. Okay. I just need the government to do no, its job. I mean, this, the, the Remain this. in Mexico policy by, that Trump came mm -hmm. up with was mm -hmm. innovative and brilliant, and it worked. You, period. Uh, from the southern, yeah, the mm -hmm. southern we, American. What we basically did is we said, hey, Mexico, up. keep them out of your southern border, or mm -hmm. we're going to tear a few all to hell. And, and, and that's what he did, and it worked. I mean, the moment he said that, Mexico's like, okay, we'll help you. Brilliant. Brilliant. H I mean, how do you get out of the middle of this problem? How do you put the onus on someone else? You threaten them with an economic consequence. No war was fought. No, That's how know. I parent my children. <laughs> but but here was my point. Here's my. Me there's nothing stopping Mexico from being America. There's nothing stopping. I mean, it, it's. I mean, yes, we have natural resources here, but it's our form of government. It's our trustworthy nature. It's our people. It's it's mm. it's the brilliance of our country. Mm -hmm. We have a great country. We have a brilliant country. We have an amazing founding, and it's what allowed us to be. And the fact that we're a Christian country, yes, I said it. It's what has allowed <laughs> us to allowed us to be prosperous. Now, if you just give it all away, you're not going to have any prosperity to share. Well, so this when is the, this is yeah. the big issue, right? And this is what I was trying to bring up: is the whole impetus for the existence of the modern state is self-interest. The whole impetus for Christian ethics is self-sacrifice. Mm. You cannot legislate morality, not in the sense that you can't bring morals into laws. All laws are yes. moral, right? Those are all laws are inescapably yeah. contain moral judgments. Yeah. But you cannot create any sort of external pressures or values or restrictions or requirements that is going to force someone to be moral on the inside. Yeah. Right. All you can do is try to limit external evils with external laws. But the whole point, the, the real solution, this is the white pill portion of the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. The real solution to the problem of immigration does not come from law. It comes from people's hearts and people's hearts being changed. If we welcome our neighbors, and that's, that's not just if we as the United States welcome our neighbors. If people in Mexico welcome their neighbors, if people in Ecuador and El Salvador and all of these places welcome their neighbors and work to create free and harmonious and just societies that are in mm. line with biblical principles, this would not be an issue. The problem of illegal immigration is the problem of the fall. 
You cannot solve the problem of illegal immigration without solving the global problem of injustice. And law does not solve injustice. So what does? Jesus Christ. Right. But how? what do we do in this already not yet mm-hmm. zone to help the current situation? Oh, I, I am of the opinion that I don't have to have an opinion on that. <laughs> okay. That's handy. I mean, well, I mean, I, I'm not an expert. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't feel like I have to fa- sit up here intrust, and fix it. I know I'm listening. Yeah. In yeah. intrastate versus nation to nation, right? We have different policies. Yeah. Again, yeah. our intrastate but relationship like, is open borders. Think about it this way. Right. Like if we had a bunch of migrants from, I don't know, like the south side of Chicago migrating to Houston, Texas, right? Like we could not, there would be no way to show or, or blacks border. going to the north, you know, or, or, like yeah. during the industrial era after um, slavery. Or Californians coming to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Georgia used invasion. to be a prison state. Yeah. And then they can't, yeah. Like, there are going to be different people with different varying levels well, of crime I mean, that's inside why we, the United that's States. That's why we have the 10th Amendment. You know, basically, hey, anything we didn't talk about, you know, here, yeah, you know, the states the can states. do, you know. And so the states, states Y'all are... Y'all remember the 10th Amendment? Y'all remember that that existed at yeah. one point? Well, state, states are always... It's okay for states to be like little places of experimentation. I you know, like Marbury versus Madison, but interstate commerce, like you're literally not allowed to close your border to another state. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, there was, a, there, was a, there was a there was a whole there was a whole article I didn't share, but it was like totally like life changing, and, and basically it's an argument oh, that's basically but I didn't share it. It's an argument that the federal government is is as it exists totally unconstitutional, totally unconstitutional, mm-hmm. and and, and basically it's the commerce day. clause and mm-hmm. the general welfare provision. Yeah. You know that 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 over the cor- over the over the last century the courts have just piled everything into that. Yeah. Everything. I mean, every three letter administration, every activity of the state mm-hmm. is for the general welfare or, or you know, literally not growing yeah. wheat, was, this is the famous case, yes. not growing wheat uh, become your inter- your impact. Feeding your own family with the wheat that, that you're not putting on the market. Somewhere else yes. Yeah, yes. Is violating interstate commerce. It, it is so insane. insane. I mean, we yeah. have to roll back. Look at you guys agreeing. You know, That's so nice. We have so much to roll back. Speaking of uh, ballooning rights that don't actually Boom. exist in yes. the Constitution. Okay, so from, uh, so apparently uh, Kam- Kamala. Thank you. Oh Harris. Oh my gosh, you guys. Kicks off, uh, this is from what is this from The Guardian, uh, kicks off abortion rights tour. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when the Rolling Stones like go out, you know, yeah, 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 it's like, (laughs) it's just like that. A tour on the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade, vice president expected to announce support for more access to abortion should be in store in battleground states of Wisconsin, state of Wisconsin. Kamala Harris, did I say that right? Yes. Kamala Harris kicked off her much vaunted abortion rights nationwide tour in Wisconsin on Monday as Joe Biden convened a meeting of his task force on reproductive health care access. Reproductive health care. Yeah. <clears throat> ev- okay. I'm just I can't even make it through the first okay. paragraph. Look, look so, here. Yes. Um, this is the second page. Uh, Proud that women across our nation are suffering, Harris will say, according to excerpts from her speech obtained by the Associated Press. Proud that women have been robbed of a fundamental freedom, that doctors could be thrown in prison for caring for patients, that young women today have fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers. Wow, that sounds really good, right? We don't, we're against None of us would want any of that. I'm definitely against people being in prison for wrong reasons. But this is what I'm talking about at this Miltonian rhetoric. Because, Because what's she actually saying? Are you proud that women across our nation are emotionally impacted because they cannot kill their children. Right. Are you proud that women have been told that they cannot kill their children? Right. That doctors could be thrown in prison for killing children? Right. Mm. That young women today don't have the ability to kill their children like their mothers and grandmothers did? Yeah. I'm hecka proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, language. Austin. Sorry. My yeah. gosh. Calm yeah, down. I'm absolutely proud. I of said that. the H E double hockey six. Oh, we all heard. And Sarah and Sarah's are I I was here fuming for that one. over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's really a curse word. Anyway, um, no yeah, no, it's it's all me. about the euphemisms. 
I mean, yeah. we, you know, so much of our political discourse or, or cultural discourse is, is, is shrouded in euphemisms. Uh, it's like substitute words, you know, that don't. So if you just say what abortion is, if we can agree that abortion is killing a baby, it makes things a lot clearer. And it's not just substituting words. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not just making a little bit more flowery and a little bit more flowery. It's actually saying something that's the opposite. Reproductive health care is right. the opposite of killing. Right, right. Healthcare right. is helping someone not die. Right. You know, and, I mean, and, it's and crazy. And help, helping human beings create more human beings. Yeah. Because you know, that's what reproduction is. Don't get all so. Catholic on me. I'm pro-contraception. I'm just not pro-abortion. Yeah. Well, no, I, w- I wasn't. Uh, helping human beings create other human beings. It's like, yeah. Okay. I, I think you can, I think you can, I mean, culturally, I think the Catholics are right about the culture, the contraceptive kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, however, um there are different sorts of contraception. Right, right, right. Some in some terminate fertilization mm-hmm. and, and some prevent it. I mm-hmm. think preventing is more or less fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, even Catholics think that because the well. Anyway. Oh, we're gonna start talking about sex. Oh, I, I mean, I, I wasn't gonna go there, but which leads us. And, and actually, I, I was. I, I'm wrong about that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wrong about that. I was gonna talk about the rhythm method, but I'm not gonna do that now. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I, what what is, it's just so incredibly dark, and I, I guess there's a part. There's a part. Let me be honest. There's a part of me that that. Um, not to get hyper political, and these views are only only my you? own. Wait. <laughs> well, no, I mean this is this is a cultural issue. This is a moral mm-hmm. issue I, for sure. I, the I'm trying to figure out how the Democrat Party, like, what is it about America that it even likes? Like, what does it even stand for? Everything that I hear from this party at this moment is just so incredibly dark. I mean, basically, we want you to have the right to take the life of your child. We don't want to have borders as a country. I'm going, what is it about America that you like? I, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what, what is it that you're fighting for here? What, is, what do you want to defend? The ability to mutilate your children after a 15-minute gender uh, interview. There, then there's that. Okay. I'm not yeah. pro-choice. I'm not. But no, they, they disagree with you guys on definitions, right? They disagree yeah. on is it a life. You got to pull sure. that Not anymore. You got to decide back if you're going to sit sorry, up yeah. or sit back either way. <laughs> back yeah, back when I was at Texas A&M, we were with the uh, Texas Right for Life organization. It was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. We were there when the Planned Parenthood got shut down there and taking pictures outside of it. That was fun. Um, but when we would debate people, it's always down to the question, is it a life? Sure. Right? And they disagree with us on that. Uh, I, I actually think, so. think more that. and more no. people aren't disagreeing yeah, about people that. People are just biting the bullet on that nowadays. Yeah, Especially I because for years, like bioethicists have, have agreed. I mean, one guy that said up to no, like six months. No. Uh, or the two Australians. Have, Singer, right? Well, Peter Singer says that also you can just kill disabled children. That too. Um, and then the two Australian yeah. scientists that published their article, yeah. Why Should the Child Live? Advocating for post-birth abortions. Yeah. Up to like um, two years. All I'm saying yeah, is yeah, it's, it's, it's increasingly people think it's a life. And, no, and they I mean, don't what else is it? Care. Nobody disputes that it's a life. Of course it's a life. Yeah. What so kind it, of life is it? Is nope. it a person? Is it, is it a human, human person? Yes. Yeah. No, it is not. No, nobody's of... even debating that it's a human life. It's not a cat. Well, it's, right. Yeah. right, right, right. Is it personhood? Is right. it a person? Right. Or, or when does it get rights? Which is kind of the same question. Or, of when when is it a does person? the person yeah. get the Well, I, I will tell you, talking to college students as often as I can, mm-hmm. they will, the, the answer I get, the, I mean, 90% of the time, the answer I get from, from those who are not already pro-life, so to speak, uh, is... Um, I don't really like that phrase, but anyway, um, is um, when it, when it's born. Yeah, oh. I mean, what? So so then you get into philosophical questions about the nature of you know a thing being changed at birth. You know why? What is fundamentally changed about that thing from six a inches minute ago? before? Yeah, yeah. You know, so you get down to like 
for for those who haven't heard, you know, sled, you know, size, yep. uh, development. Uh, how does it go? Ta- uh, no, time isn't one. Location, uh, location, size, location, uh, something in de- development. Anyway, I the the idea these. is that you know we don't discriminate against any of these other things. You know, once someone between is born, a one year old and yeah. a thirty year old, so why would we do it between a negative? But what? But yeah. but I, I mean, I, I think at this point, if we're going to be really you know clear about this, like if you if you look at how people vote. The, I mean, the by far the biggest single voting block, you know, for positions like this are single women. Um, if you, you know, basically, if you look at like kind of who votes for, you know, conservative or liberal policies, it's pretty much like, you know, in terms of like married men, single men, mm-hmm. married women, single women, single women are like plus 40 in, you know, for the Democrat Party at this point or liberal policies. Everyone else is like plus two, plus four, you know, kind of one way or, an, uh, or the mm-hmm. other. So I think basically they're saying, you know, we're all in. We're all in on the single woman thing. We want women to be single. We want to give them every access, you know, every opportunity because once they get married, the statistics show they become they start voting for more conservative policies. So, so we should create an amendment that re outlaws uh, women's rights to vote. Oh <laughs> my gosh, here we go. <laughs> well, some people have claimed that. I'm not saying that. What I, what I maybe we should get women married sooner. You know, maybe we should start talking Jordan about that Peterson again. So. Said, uh, enforce monogamy. <laughs> if you you need to enforce monogamy. Is that your best Jordan Peterson? It's not. Okay, because it sounded a little like your best Jimmy Stewart. I just, which was really good actually. Oh, yeah. It was a good Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. But yeah, the question is like, with the you know conversation about is it life, is it murder off the table? But like you know, enforcing monogamy or like creating institutions to push people to have more kids or to build more families. Like while those would be a good thing, do you do it at the point of a gun? Do you no, you create incentives. Force you, of you, you do it. You do, do it. You do it. Hungry does. Yeah. Yeah. You got to either pull the mic, and sit in the back, Sorry. or you got to stay forward. The whole time. Yeah, okay. I'm stay forward. Uh, hungry says, "Hey, you have three kids. You never pay income tax any, anymore." Huh. You, there, there are ways you can huh. do this. There, are, there are ways you can get back to a single. I family, thought I was done, but maybe I could have income. one more. Yeah. I love people. More people not paying income tax, the better. Yeah, like, well, I like that. I mean, the, and, and what they're saying is, hey, those three people will pay income mm-hmm. tax until they can have their own three kids. And, you know, in, in, the, in the long run, it will we'll prosper as a nation. Every, every developed nation on earth is not, doesn't even have substitution, you know, birth rates at this point. So it, there's a demographic bomb about to hit mm-hmm. every developed including nation on earth. And I was just going to yes. say, including America. Um, but we don't want to bring more people in here. But I was literally so. just going to say, why do we favor bringing in people where we... That's why. That every, every, the, the reason immigration exists is because of the birth rate. That, that's what they can't tell no. you. That's what they. What's that? The, you think I'm wrong? Wait, wait, wait. You think the reason it exists, like, I'm naturally or artificially? Artificially. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is that the reason the politicians can't come out and say have more kids, right? For whatever reason, that what they what they want are more taxpayers. They they want to convert the immigrants into voters and taxpayers. That's all they are to them. They're just they're just widgets. They're just they're just lumps of people being brought in, you know. And if a few terrorists get in, in the meantime, fine. If a few whatever get in, the crazy people get in, fine. But that's how they view it. And we do need to have a serious conversation that says we need people to have children, mm-hmm. like in our country. We need mm-hmm. we need for our country to prosper. Like it's not a small thing. It's not yeah. just some crazy kooky thing. You know, we're not just a quiverful family or whatever. Like <laughs> we need our country to have children. We will, and we we do have some tax benefits to it. Um, but I think we need to be talking about that more. We need to be talking about how you can have a single income and and so on. But then you get back to like the inflation issue. Back to immigration. Yeah. I did want to ask one thing: Do we have a housing shortage or surplus in this country? 
No idea. I don't know. It's it's complicated. Okay. Well, are rents going up or down? Rents are going up. Okay. Then we have a shortage. So uh, does bringing in millions and millions of people with nowhere to live, does that seem like a good idea? Mm. Is that humane? Let me introduce the supply and demand curve, right? You have supply and demand and they drive each other, right? There's the price price point, economics 101, that moves along the supply curves and demand curves. And when you increase... The supply to respond to an increase in demand, that price point stays the same. Yeah, but so, is the supply, is it increasing? So we can let so, in so 10 million people. In- it's complicated in large cities because of zoning laws, which is one of the reasons why I love Houston. It takes forever to build something, though. The point is you can let in millions of people in a day, but uh, exaggeration, in a year. But you 300,000 people in a day. Yeah. A more reasonable number. Yeah. Uh, or, or as the Senate just negotiated, 5,000 a day. Um, uh, anyway, and that crazy bill they're trying to get through. Okay, but how long does it take to build f- reasonable housing? By the time you've built it, the demand has doubled. Yes. I mean, so it's like, I, I don't know, again, prioritizing your citizens. You know, I mean, do we care that the average person's rent was $1,500 two years ago and now it's $2,200? I, I care. care. <laughs> it, to me, this is like the welfare conversation, right? Like, no, well, I, would, I would lower yeah, like zoning restrictions. In order to address that concern. Well, I don't think that's... Rather than responding to the response. So the lowering zoning restrictions, who's building the buildings? It's the construction companies. The construction companies are, are private companies. They have employees. They have to pay taxes. They have to provide health insurance for their employees. They have to be able to make a profit so that they can perpetuate themselves while also paying a livable wage to their employees Mm -hmm. as the standard of living wage increases the capability of the construction companies to support themselves <coughs> goes down. And so in a little while, the construction companies that were supposed to want to build this cheap affordable mm-hmm. housing have themselves all shut their doors because it's not sustainable. Right. So yeah. that's supply and demand. Well, And also it goes to the larger conglomerates that are able – like it used to be you would have like a contractor that was probably able to grab, you know, 10 people and pour the foundation – put the two by four studs, wire it himself, do the plumbing, right? But then as the more arduous zoning restrictions, the more arduous building codes, the more, yeah, the, the harder it gets on the the contractor, right. like you said, he's going to drop they, they, out they, and then yeah. the larger company is going to come in. Right, so, because yeah. they have the HR, they have the legal, yes. they have the OSHA requirements, they have the whatever, yeah. Yes. Um, and they want, by the way, they want cheap and, labor. And, and they, so that, it's like a self-feeding but, thing. But they also, what does that do to the price? It drives the price up, right? Which yeah. drives the... So, so again, the yeah. federal government is unconstitutional, uh, and 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 I mean, no joke. I mean, that's a, a, actually the Chevron deference case coming up before the Supreme Court, uh, and the EPA case uh, that they overturned last year, EPA versus West Virginia. There are some indications that we are starting to roll back uh, the, the deep state or administrative state or whatever you want to call it. Let me ask you this: real, to end this topic, is this going to work? Is this Kamala Harris abortion? I mean, are, no. is is it not going to work? No. You don't it's think, work with you don't think people are going to be excited about? I, th- I think it's going to work with her base and like. Republicans don't yeah. listen to her anyway. Well, her base yeah. is like this small, even in the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, no one in the Democrat uh, Party the is worst. going to these rallies. But All right. no, I don't think it's going to work because abortion is now like the the people that are supporting abortion and would be voting for Biden Harris are also now the, like those most vociferous advocates are now uh, not advocating for them anymore because of things like the Israel Palestine conflict and other stuff that's the hot button issue of the time. Hmm. So they would say, oh, I'd love to vote for, you know, more <laughs> access to abortion, but I'm not going to vote for you, Biden, because you're uh, supporting Israel. Yeah. 
It's strange hmm. bedfellows. I know we we've ta- when we talk about this yeah. in the past, mm-hmm. it's like the the cultural like dynamics now are so volatile. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that's the problem with the woke stuff, right? It's like, well, this is cool today, and this is important today. And, yeah, I will say though, I, I agree, but I also think there are still a lot of people out there that are really vulnerable to this kind of rhetoric convincing them that really, oh, it is my body. And in the state is trying to take my rights away. And they're not thinking through the whole thing in this robust, full orbed way. They're really convinced that should they have an ectopic pregnancy, they might die because they'll be in some backwoods. Wait, no, you know, no, 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 no. That's, that's real. Ectopic What's pregnancies real? like are deadly. I know they're deadly. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, and if but, you but, have but, one, they're like, going to help you yeah, not yeah, have yeah. it. But yeah. the most like, ardent oppo- I, 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 opponent I of abortion, someone like me would say, yeah, an ectopic pregnancy is not an abortion. You know, right. if you have to take the, the fetus out to save the mother's life. And one of the issues is nobody, embryo. nobody knows biology. Like you ask pro-choice, well, they don't know point. biology at all. Oh, okay. But, but, you, mean like you ask pro-life, I think, you I ask think pro-life pro-life people know biology I was going to say, I think there's plenty of young women out there, young single women who maybe haven't given this a lot of thought and they hear verbiage like this mm-hmm. and they think, well, yeah, I want that. And then they hear the scary stuff. Like this is what I was getting right. at. Someone saying the lie that if you have an ectopic pregnancy or some other, you know, harm the mother, really harm the mother situation, that if you live in a state like Florida or Texas or whatever, you're, you might die. And they're hearing that and they're going, well, I don't want that. I'm a tad bit worried about like judges and juries not knowing biology either. And not oh, knowing I'm more the difference between like, uh, no, no, no. Not knowing the difference between an ectopic pregnancy abortion and like an abortion okay, abortion. Okay, right. Okay, okay, right? Okay, like okay, that's okay. what I'm a bit concerned okay. about. But if you have, yeah. like, let's say we ha- Texas has the law that prohibits basically all abortion. Okay. That's our trigger law that went into effect with Dobbs. Okay. Yeah. It would be the same due process to take that woman to trial as any other. You would have police investigation. Depositions. You would have, you would have a DA. Yep. You would have a DA. Uh, she would have a right to counsel and defense. You would have a DA deciding to press charges. You would have plea bargains. You would have uh, – she could turn state's witness, right? And she could say, well, if you give me immunity, I'll tell you about the abortionist who's doing it on the side. Mm-hmm. There, It would be just like any other case where – Almost certainly, the woman would face no repercussions, or you know, she would say, "Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a prostitute, and my pimp said if he didn't, if I didn't get an abortion, right. he would kill me." That's an extenuating circumstance. So it's fear mongering language that, if in a course of due process, it, almost no woman who got an abortion would face, you know, the death penalty for having an abortion. <laughs> Unlike but, the child, but that it dies. is, but you know, we live in times of of, of cheap political talk. You yeah, know, not, you absolutely. know, you know, it's sound bites and, 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 it, and it's so cynical, uh, you know, to use this clouded, uh, Meltonian language. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, um, I mean, sort of devil here's, satanic here's, language. here's, here's no, the good, that's what I mean. That's what you mean. I know. Yeah. I mean, here's the, the, the good news, the white pill, I guess would be that, you know, Christian, it's crazy how Christians get portrayed in such a bad light when all we're literally trying to do is help mothers have their children. We're trying to bring new life into the world. Uh, we're protect try- people from dying. We're trying to protect yeah. people from dying. We're trying to encourage people to have healthy sexual relationships, you know, in the covenant of marriage where the woman is protected and the man is protected as well. Mm-hmm. And by but the way, the not one. just worrying about it up until the time of pregnancy and stepping out as the stereotype yes. is, right? That's a stereotype like the, we have to fight the, too. Yeah. yeah. So many denominations, The I mean, the Catholic Wait, Church- Wait, say is, that again? Well, the Catholic Church is leading the, the charge on this, right, in terms of young mothers- supporting them, yeah. the, the the level of charity organization 
that happens not just among the Catholics, but among so many other mm-hmm. denominations in order to support and care for and look after vulnerable Not just young making mothers. sure they're born, but helping them. Right. That's because oh, okay, that's gotcha. the soundbite, right? Oh, is, oh right. You oh, only well, care, you only care about the baby. life, yeah. not long life. Meanwhile, that's there's three true. times as many pregnancy centers as abortion clinics, almost all run by Christians. So yes, exactly. many Christians Adoption agents. I worked yes. for Catholic charities for a while, right? Yeah. We had children's homes at like St. John's, St. Matthew's, um, sorry, St. Jerome's and St. Matthew's. We had a foster program, which like I did the budget for. Like, In other words, Christians are doing the ones that are doing the post-birth care that liberals accuse them of not wanting, right? Just because we don't want the government to do it at the point of a gun. Speaking of relationships. I was going to say, speaking of having a healthy, happy, sexual relationship. Bam, (laughs) found the segue. When a man and a woman love each other very much, but then the man finds out the woman isn't a woman. Well, that's not making any babies, but it is making headlines. Here we go. Um, We're going to talk about uh, Lexi Love who is a, a not a real person, but many men are falling in love with her and giving her marriage proposals. Here's uh, a few snippets from a couple different articles that I cobbled together. Uh, the AI model business is booming, and Lexi Love is only the latest example. Since her debut on the site in June 2023, Love has created a, quote, strong emotional connection, end quote, with many of her paying followers. Ah, that's all in one sentence, you guys. Strong emotional connection with many of her paying followers generating around 30,000 in monthly subscriptions. Some subscribers are even convinced love is an actual person. Um, And she's gotten 20 marriage proposals per month. Uh, She, okay, so this is a fake, you know, caricature of a woman. It's the movie Her. It's the movie Her. But but not just in the movie Her, it was something you listened to and he was talking to. This is lots of pictures and that's part of the thing is that they're naughty pictures if you pay more. Uh, Lexi, quote, quote, owes her success to the fact that she was designed as more than just a pretty face and amazing body, which she has. And don't go look this up because it's kind of soft porn to look it up. But as she's able to, quote, flirt, laugh, and adapt to different personalities, interests, and preferences. This is where it gets kind of gross because she's sort of forming her, you know, interest in things around whatever man is paying for the subscription. With her growing popularity, Lexi has become a lucrative source of income. This is a testament to her ability to deeply connect with people and provide them with a fulfilling human-like experience despite being AI. Uh, So she's a, quote, 21-year-old sushi addict and pole dancing pro. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just like every cave dwelling guy like is this what he wants she's into yoga kind of a odd combination you know (laughs) it's what every guy like wants because she's like refined in her taste refined but But also she can work a pole oh she's just everything you want you can pay extra if you request naughty pictures uh lexi's creators claim she was designed to be quote a perfect girlfriend for many men with flawless features and impeccable style it goes on and on but the point is sounds boring well it's it's interesting that you say boring because you are married to a real life human woman who uh, is my friend and she's wonderful. Uh, this is what, so I have so many problems with this as yeah. you can imagine some are the things like this is gross and it's, and it's porn and it's all these kind of things. And it's going to, it's a, all of that. But, yes. but at another level, the thing that I think is really gross about it almost has nothing to do with the sort of sexual part of it. What it is is that she's adapting, quote, she. I mean, I'm saying she. It's a it's a model algorithm that's spitting out what people want to hear. He's making her in his image. This right. is exactly what I was going to say is because what it becomes is self-worship. You get her, quote, her, to be everything you want that person to be. They send you these pictures. She's like the perfect like measurements, I guess, like every guy wants. And she has no 
pimples. And she's just this perfect thing. But also she's going to adapt to what you want her to say and think and feel and provide for you what you want so that you're kind of dating yourself. You're kind of like falling in love with Mm -hmm. yourself, which to talk about Milton and Mm. Satan is exactly the original Mm -hmm. lie, right? Oh, Appetite for Destruction is your favorite album too? (laughs) Whoa. Like who knew we were the same? Oh my gosh. Let's go get some sushi, which you can't because she's not a real person. Yeah, I I would want to argue with her. I would want somebody- Well, she would let you. I would want somebody that doesn't like my favorite No, but she would adapt to that. She'd be like, you want a sparring partner? I don't know why she always has this voice, but- um, Because she's a product. Yeah. It's it's so gross and I and I do think it's uh, it's not just damaging for the people that are engaging this. I think it's damaging for every person that so you have a guy who's subscribing to this and maybe he lives in his mom's basement and he plays a lot of video games and I'm stereotyping, yes. But let's say that he stops subscribing to this after a while and he goes out in the real world. This is what he's going to expect and he's and maybe to the point of aggression. I mean, If you get everything you want from the AI, then when you go date a real woman who isn't perfect and is going to sometimes hurt your feelings or say things you don't agree with or whatever, um, I I don't think that's good for women or society. And I I mean, it's it's so bad. I don't really have a white pill other than go ahead. Counterpoint. The hypergamy guys that have like a, you know, super deep body count are also like really, really awful to women. Yes. Right. So like the ones that have dozens of real women under their belt are sure. also like, like they're treating them like this woman nevertheless yeah, I, I agree but what she's saying is like the risk of this is that it's like well no because even the people that are the opposite of this still fall pretty oh there's bad. plenty yeah. of sin to go around yeah 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 but so years ago there was this whole thing that was gonna come to houston somehow mayor sylvester turner overturned it which good oh, for yeah, him yeah. we were gonna have this like uh back room of a sex shop where you would have these sex robots and they and part of the reason why and I signed the petition to have them not come to Houston is because they had like a rape setting on them. They had well, they had varying degrees of consent that you could set on them. And people were like, Oh, That's not well, this a phrase is... that should be uttered. Yeah, I know. Varying degrees of consent. I know. Yeah. But um, and so some people were saying, Oh, this is actually good because people will do it in these it, with these robots they and get they won't do it IRL. They won't do it in real life. Well, it's the same argument with pedophiles. Yes. Exactly. Right. This yeah. this same thing has yeah. been happening in the AI world, AI, the AR world. Right. Um, with with pedophilia is you generate these artificial images and no child is harmed and therefore this is a release for these men and they're they're not because it usually is men. Well the problem is you can't run the counterfactual. You can't you can't right. empiricism this and run two different experiments. One where they actually abuse real kids, and one where it's done with like AI and see Honestly. which one. No, but we understand right. human behavior enough to know how this goes. It will get taken outside of the world Don't of make fantasy. Me do this. I'll do. Yeah, make you do um, it. What? Just pornography in general. This is yeah. part of the argument, right? But like countries with high consumption of pornography are, and this might be a correlation and not a causation. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of Islamic countries that don't have any pornography and abuse Don't have women. any pornography? Well, okay, they do, but it's under the radar. Yes. Okay. Osama bin Laden's stash. Yes. Had I was going to say. Yes. yes. Um, Our favorite CIA operative. But it's like oh my gosh, Kim Jong-un being fat, right? There's not a lot of other fat people in. So like the the average man probably in like Karachi doesn't have a ton of pornography access. And the the countries with higher level of access have like lower instances of like man on woman violence. It's specifically sexual violence. Um, 
it might be correlation. There might not be any causation there. It might I be think because there are other factors that you're not taking into th- account. Like that's what I'm saying: correlation, not causation. Hyper extreme Muslim ideology, and or the fact that pornography leads to increasing social isolation, or that mm. you don't have these mm. relationships for this very reason mm-hmm. that, that you're talking about, Sarah, is that you're now alienated from real people because right. of your false expectation of fake people. Right, and so you like this is let's run these surveys. Let's talk about this, like. Generation Z is having less sex yeah. than any other generation. Why? Which, to your point, Ken, I guess is less sexual aggression. Sure. Which doing yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't have it both ways and say like, if they're not having any sexual interactions, they're it's going to be more dangerous for women, right? You can't really have it both ways. Which means we have fewer children. Which means we have fewer which workers, goes back to which the. <laughs> which means we have more immigrants. Yes. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't steal think, the people from other countries. I don't it's think the Ouroboros. primary harm here that that we're arguing for is I don't, that any of us is arguing yeah, yeah. for is oh well, this is going to be some some direct causation to to sexual violence. I think it's more the literal objectification of mm-hmm. womanhood True. as something that, as a product that is consumed by a man. That is a mentality that doesn't have to manifest itself in actual physical violence in order to be harmful. Right. Well, so and we, just to take this to a theological place, like if if we think. I had a, we make fun of this teacher I had in graduate school. He was wonderful, but he would accidentally, you heard me tell this story the other day in a class about sexuality. He would talk about how humans, uh, we desire the, the otherness of God. Um, and so he would refer to God as being like the big O other and people being the little O. And so he would say big O and it was very funny, haha, because it sounded like orgasm. But what he was saying is true. We desire this thing, which is the otherness of God. And and when you are married to someone of the opposite sex, you get a glimpse of this otherness because they are not like you. And so when something, when you have a man and a woman married to each other, you have this beautiful thing happening where you have to navigate the world mm-hmm. of something that's a little bit not like you, but also like you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sanctification happens in that space. If you have an AI generated algorithm that's going to be just like you, then we become less and less and less adept at actually doing the very thing that will make us closer and closer to God. I that's, was going to say the exact. I was literally going to, about to talk about the other, <clears throat> which is a phrase I generally kind of repel at, but there's a lot of truth in it as well. But I would argue this is an argument against homosexuality as well. I not think to, so too. Not to talk about it, but you know, it's the sameness that's the problem. It's the otherness and the you know the partnership and this kind of flourishing that mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, expand on that. I, I don't understand the point. Well, ma- you need male and female to uh, you know be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, they're and, not making. And to have men, dominion. though. I mean, I'm sure some of them are. No, that's a, that's Lexi's part of the problem Lexi's as well. Lexi's a female. Yeah. Yes, but but you're creating. But she adapts as an AI caricature, you know, caricature or cre- creation. She is adapting to what you like. Like I said, she likes GNR too, you know, or she likes sushi too, or she likes she. You are creating her. She is adapting to you. She's not the uh, other I, I, I that you saying, get when you, you like you are. She's not pushing back. Thing she's versus, saying you're you're a genius, Ken. I love you. Keep talking theology. But, but it's not, dude. Don't do that. <laughs> don't. That's so. <laughs> Dude, come on now. What? I don't like the law either. Let yeah. me stop. I'm joking. I'm an anarchist too. You <laughs> added a syllable to it. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean um, Okay, anyway, I, okay. I, make, I make a bad robot. No, but the, the two questions are, is it healthy? No, obviously not. Yeah, okay. right. The second one is, am I going to use a gun to prevent other people from What are you talking about? It? What are you talking about guns? Making it illegal. Law. He's talking about oh, law. Oh, Making oh. it illegal. Am I going to send somebody with a gun to like confiscate yeah. somebody's computer and like throw them in a cage for using this. I would be so happy. I know this is going to get me canceled by everyone. I'd be so happy if pornography was illegal. I was just about to say, I think that you can make a strong case yes. for for criminalizing pornography. I yeah. don't think you can do the same with this. 
because in pornography, actual people are being harmed. And so here, here that's a not. really, yeah, that's a really interesting part of this. Okay. So again, that. Well, it comes back to like decency laws. That would be the criteria by which we would judge this. Like, I, I think we used to have decency laws. It wasn't even that long ago. Mm -hmm. you know? So this, and, is a, yeah. this is a social harm, but it's not a social harm of the, the sort that. <laughs> victimless crime. Right. Like, yeah. So it's a, it's a social harm. It's and like it suicide. Lead, leads to the breakdown of society and of, and of social norms. But it's not the sort of thing that the government ought to intervene in. I'm very much against this whole category of public health. Right. As, as defined by whatever. Right. Yeah. It's a value-laden phrase entity. that any worldview can dump its values Correct. into. So yeah. this, because this is an AI and there is no woman being victimized, the, the victim is consenting. Okay. Right? Now, the victim is the customer. Now go back to the sex robots and, and child thing. Cause like there's no victim there, but like it's still. Well, they're, they're, I, I don't think that you know the I mean? issue is. Yeah, you're right. Like the, I don't think the issue there is. It's the same argument to to outlaw AI pedophilia, except for the fact that there are already existing laws. Um, it's that the, I I don't. I'm so skeptical of the fact that that actually works. Right? I, I I don't think that being able to freely indulge in mm -hmm. a shadow version of the thing that you really want to and 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 s uh, stimulate your taste and your reflexes and your habits in such a way um, is actually going to reduce uh -huh. any any like think about serial killers right mm -hmm. serial killers escalate right like this the serial killer titrate has up. a crave has a craving mm -hmm for a, a certain form of activity. And they try because it's mm -hmm. very dangerous when mm -hmm. they go out and indulge in their activity. They try to substitute it with other lesser forms mm -hmm. and it is not effective. All serial killers start out by killing like the family Animals, cat or like yeah. a mouse or yes. something. But not every seven-year-old boy who killed a mouse is going to be a serial killer, right? Correct. There is something else baked into that cake, which is where this gets really tricky is because when we say, okay, we know for a fact that these are going to cause this other really, really dangerous thing hmm. that I see what you're saying. You Ken. can't prove it one way or another. It evades empiricism because we cannot run the study. We cannot run the study with real child pornography and see if that is more dangerous than. But there are enough sex rob uh, robots in Europe. I actually think numbers will be coming out. That I mean, it'll still always have to look at correlation and, and wonder if it's causation. I right. Suppose. Right. Yeah. It's tricky, but the question, it is tricky. The biggest question is, do we use a gun to prevent it? And I am, um, oh, that that question is always the one that gets me. Well, that's why we invite you on the show. So yeah. you say crazy stuff like that. I'm joking. I I, I hear what you're saying, and it's yeah. it is dicey. But but yeah, I agree. If if we could stop with pornography, that'd be a big step. And there are instant indications that that might be happening. Right? That would we be awesome. More pornographic, more legal restrictions on pornography than have existed in the past. I will say um, this is a little bit of a – this isn't quite white pill, but it does make me think – so back a, a lifetime ago, I was getting my graduate degree in counseling and I wanted – and I did family and marriage counseling for a while. And part of what fascinated me was the differences between men and women. So I think you know, if you want to sort of be on the other side of this uh, and you're in the dating world or you're married, celebrate the otherness of the person that you're with and – and maybe when you have that moment where there's some sort of tension, like, why are men like this? Or men are saying, like, why is this woman like this? To sort of kind of laugh to yourself, like, oh, but it's not an AI model that's making me worship <laughs> myself. I am so serious. Like, celebrate the fact that they're different and you get to explore it and you get to figure out the Wild West of the other sex um, and not 
be caught in this trap, which will eventually lead you to like everything that the fa- happened with the fall. You Those know, are blonde hair, blue eyes. There might be a little bit of racism in there. I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get new models soon. Yeah. I tried to find a Luther quote. Well, I, I couldn't find it, but he has this great quote where he talks about the way to, um, I don't know, end uh, sin is not to indulge it, but to extinguish it. And mm. so, you know, this idea mm-hmm. of like indulging a little bit to get your wet, mm. your, you know, your beak yeah. wet, and then it'll go away. No, no, no. That's it, not it, how it, habits work. No. Must no. Be, must be extinguished. But we have another AI story you want to talk about? Oh, sure. man. Yeah. Ooh, this one. Uh, so speaking of AI sinking its silicon tentacles into every <laughs> aspect of our life, um, this was one that probably passed a lot of people by, unless you're like me and you're invested in this transhumanism dialogue. Uh, Open AI quietly removes ban on military use of its AI tools. Uh, Open AI quietly walked back a ban on the military use of ChatGPT and its other artificial intelligence tools, although its policies still state that users should not, quote, use our service to harm yourself or others, including to, quote, develop or use weapons. Okay. Uh, Up until at least Wednesday, OpenAI's policy page specified that the company did not allow the usage of its models for, quote, activity that has high risk of physical harm, including weapons development and military warfare. And, of course, that all changed once AI – once OpenAI saw the possibility for a gigantic military contract. Yes. Probably. Paycheck. So this is how the T-100 and Terminator yeah, like learns it. how to speak. You That's know, just why like I thought us. we were talking yeah. post-apologetic and not post-apologetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we could be doing If both. you guys don't know, I hate the military. So like, uh. Boom, we're all on the same page. Here we go. No. So here it is, right? This is, this, if you've been following the story of OpenAI and how it has morphed and done a complete 180 from when Elon Musk sort of, sort of mm-hmm. founded the whole thing, this is just one more step in the sort of slimy nature of this company uh, that they are now no longer... Uh, and, and, you know, it'll be another m- month or two months until they take this other stuff about developing or using weapons. Uh, they are now no longer even trying to pretend that they are going to be pacifistic. They are, in fact, in bed for millions of dollars with uh, United States Department of Defense. Uh, and w- we've seen this, right? We've seen this in other areas. Researchers use uh, AI models in order to simulate new antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Or, or to create new uh, materials that we've never used before. These, these sort of large language models are being used to create new tools. And now here we have OpenAI, who is seems to be currently working on uh, a, a very similar process, except for warfare. Yeah. So the the other – I mean, I, I agree this sounds like nothing good can come from this. But the other side of it would, would say something like, well, China's going to do it. You know, so our, our existential threat is going to do it. And so we basically the, the, the idea is that the future war is going to be, you know, who has the best AI. I mean, that's actually mm-hmm. Elon Musk's, you know, yes, theory. Correct. You know, he wants to use AI to better humanity, but he's like, it's inevitable. We, you know, the AI arms race has already begun. Nuclear, pff, who cares? You well, know, it's he all wants about, to be you know, interplanetary to avoid that so that we have lots of different train. outposts. So if one of them goes down, we need to get out humanity of doesn't like. Die. Forget space. It's done. We're not going to live on Mars. Get over it. Okay. But we're not going to colonize Mars. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, I I think we're going to colonize Mars. Oh, Let's man. save that for another one. I would love to be an interplanetary yeah. species. That would be amazing. I think that's the whole point of the eschaton. I think okay, let me, 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 let's roll, dude. We have, let me ask this. I mean, if, 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 if we knew there was like a lab somewhere developing AI, right? Like, I mean, there have been people who have said this. Uh, you know, the the people who are like warning about transhumanism, they're like, we need military strikes against 
you know, the development of AI. Like well, these servers must die. What do you mm. think? The, the issue is that's impossible. Yeah. Right. And this was this was my Why? big problem with we can't like, like go over the whole earth with a heat map and be like, oh, looks like no. they're doing. Um, so I'd encourage everybody, if you're interested in this, uh, read Nick Bostrom's book, um, Superintelligence. Um, he's he and I don't agree on a lot of things, but he is very sober in his account of what these dangers are, at least in the later editions of this book. Uh, and he talks about the fact that an AI lab proportionally is incredibly small hmm. and mm -hmm. incredibly undetectable. Yeah. Right? It's you not a big base you don't with need, airplanes. You or... don't need a huge infrastructure yeah. in order to create one. You need a small team of computer engineers that are working somewhere. Uh, and so inside the state, outside the state, we don't know. Yeah. And the, th that is exactly the danger, is that the box has been opened. Hmm. Somebody is going to take this out of the box. We cannot go backwards. But it's also really scary to go forwards. Yeah. So unless we do something like the Geneva Convention or like we did in the Cold War and just everybody realizes that this is so terrifying that we shouldn't be messing around with it anymore. Mm. But then you still have the risk of what do you do with rogue agents or rogue nations mm -hmm. like North Korea or China that are saying, well, no, we're not going to participate in this. Yeah, you don't have to have a rogue nation. We're just, we're just going to do this. It's a rogue laboratory. Yeah. That's it. Like, like, like yeah. you said, 10 engineers in the laboratory yeah. creating the next super virus that's way right. more contagious than COVID and like way more <laughs> deadly than Ebola. That's yeah. terrifying. And, and that doesn't and, take a nation. And, and not to bring it back to the JFK assassination. <laughs> you always do. You know, we should start making this a drinking game. But, um, you know, the issue at the time was arguably that, you know, Kennedy essentially and Khrushchev had essentially agreed to end the Cold War without a clear winner. And the State Department, more or less, the Defense Department, more or less, mm, no, we want to win it. You know, and if that means nuclear tactical strikes, it's no big deal. That's fine. You know, we, we, we want the Cold War ramp up, et cetera, et cetera. We want, the, we want the war in Vietnam. We want the hostility with Cuba. And you're opposed to those things, so we're going to take you out. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I think this is like the – it feels like this is the next military – money train you know this is mm -hmm. the next gravy train you know oh well uh well here's the next thing to be concerned about is the our enemy getting ai so we need to spend trillions of dollars mm. on it and here's another money laundering operation and you know at the end of the day nu the, the the whole nuclear thing i'm not saying it wasn't legit but really the the, the idea of uh what do you call that when each side is going to hurt each Mutually other assured assured destruction. Destruction. it pretty much worked you know and um i don't know maybe that's if if, if, if we can develop ai basically in the same way I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, but who's the we? Well, I, I agree. That's the question. Yeah. Because like AI is really, really good at two things. It's good at pattern recognition yeah. and it's way better than humans at pattern recognition. Sure. And that was like our bag for like a couple million years. Like we were like the only ones that were good at this thing. Um, but it's also really, really good at like experimenting without actually having to build a real thing. So it can predict because of the pattern recognition, it can predict, hey, this other sequence of i don't know like genomes if you're creating like a virus mm -hmm. or like it can analyze a bunch of rocket data and tell you hey this combination of fuel will go better mm -hmm. but it can analyze like aerodynamics and say mm -hmm. like okay this is where you need to put the you know the payload that's scary because like mm -hmm. it doesn't need to go test that in the middle of a nevada desert it can yeah. run a million simulations. Yeah, but like, all, it, yeah. but like a Chinese AI, like shutting down our power grid would be way worse than like a missile, like getting a foot closer to its mark. You know what I'm saying? So that that's the kind of AI that kind of worries me is like hacking our, you know, mm -hmm. ability to create, you know, fuel or electricity or, you know, the internet or something like that. So, so what's but, the, I mean, this sounds scary. Okay. 
What's the, how should we respond? If people are listening and they're like, well, this is actually just giving me more anxiety. Turn Siri Do you off. have a, yeah, really? Oh, I think the solution might come from AI. Better battery technology is right around the corner. Lithium ion is like great. What does that solve? Oh, you just talked about power grids. Oh. You just talked about power grids, right? Well, yeah. Not all of us know what these fancy words mean and that that gotcha. will help us in that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's, an, okay. but yeah. a, a better battery. That, okay. Like That's what the entire scientific community, like, needs to be looking for is because lithium ion batteries are good for like my electric skateboard. They're great for your phone. They're iffy on a Tesla and there's no way they can power like a house. But if we could get a really nice battery that can power the laser gun that the T100 uses. (laughs) Or power your house in the middle of like a forest based off like a solar panel and like even in the winter. Throw 2.0. That's what I'm saying. Like if AI can help us develop things for independence... Hmm. Like, then the power grid shutting off might not be as scary. Okay, so the your sort of white pill approach to this is use AI for our own benefit. It, we're going to use AI for our own yeah. benefit. The, the only question is, does it outpace yeah. our appetite for destruction? Hmm. My, my white pill is that we're going to have mutually assured destruction with AI. Yeah. Um, my white pill is uh, metaphysical, hmm. uh, which is I don't think... Cheater. I don't, <laughs> I don't think artificial general intelligence as possible. I don't need yeah. that. Oh, that. okay. Um, I it's all derivative and it right. will always be derivative. It will always be derivative of the actual thinking that's being done by human persons. John yeah. Lennox says the same thing. Yeah. I mean, a so, lot of people do. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that we're going to get an intelligence that is robust enough to be able to do a lot of the things that we're afraid of. Yeah. Um, and we also know from the inspired scripture, which is the word of God, he's sort of given us a chart of this is how all of this is going to wrap up. Now, I'm not advocating for go and get your end times charts out. But I am advocating for the fact that God has told us that he will rule and he will reign and he will bring his kingdom in and it will be a just and peaceable kingdom, uh, which we can have hope in. Hmm. Uh, So in the meantime, we should still be worried that this is a very powerful tool that can be used. Um, We're still catching up with all of the things that this can do, right? It only came out, what, last September? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And already we're seeing remarkable stuff happening. We still... I don't think fully understand what the capabilities of this are, but it it's not going to end in Terminator. Uh, it's I, I don't think it will. It it might end in some nuclear attacks or something like that. I yeah, that's possible. Um, so I'm not saying it's not bad, but yeah. I am saying that there is a hope and there is a peaceable kingdom at the end of this story. Yeah, yeah. it's good. We're out of time. For sure. Where can people find you, Ken? Here, All right. at Theology by the Pint. If you come to any Theology by the Pint, you will be greeted by Ken. He'll give you your cup and your tickets. Yep. Volunteer yeah. extraordinaire. For real. And where can people find you? Uh, I'm the chair of apologetics at Houston Christian University over there on Fondren Road. And we take students and we do classes that relate to this sort of thing. So if you guys want to come and study with us, then uh, hc.edu is the website. Nice. hc.edu? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's not hcu.edu. No, okay. that's, that's a different school. Oh. Okay, hc.edu. Cool. And Sarah, I don't know where people can find you. Uh, People can find me, well, theologybythepint.org. And then I'll lead you to all the other places. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're, I'm actually not on Twitter, but you are. 
So uh, what about you? Where barely. can people find you? Uh, FLHouston.org. First Lutheran, um, much to their shame. Uh, that's we should, where we should tell people about a couple upcoming events. Mm-hmm. We have some nerdy conversations happening in February. We're going to be talking about purgatory, not just the Catholic kind, but is there a Protestant version? So if that interests you, go to our website and find out about that. And then in March, we're going to be talking about, does the Bible sometimes get it wrong? Can you trust it? Is it authoritative? Is it inerrant? All that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. And then in April, we're going to be talking about homosexuality. Is there a biblical case to be made for homosexuality? And then I'm going to say one more just because it was just mm-hmm. determined in our last poll. In May, we're going to be talking about aliens and or demons. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. That's the one I voted for. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. Maybe we'll get you on the panel for that. You should be. Anyway, so uh, lots of fun things coming up. Check out theologybythepint.org to find out more about everything. Very cool. Until next time, we encourage you to question freely, think deeply, and disagree as needed.